welcome. Thank you for joining us for our online service this morning. Our scripture today comes from John chapter 6, verse 68. It says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, God, it's a Thursday. I know that people are going to be watching this on Sunday morning, but um, Lord, now I, I need your presence. I need your power. I need your spirit. I need you to accomplish, God, what um, only you can accomplish. Lord, I pray against any inclination within my own heart to make any of this about me, to bolster myself up, or to do anything, God, that would draw glory away from you. I pray, oh God, that your word would just go forth, that it would do in the hearts of all that are listening what it needs to do. And Jesus, I pray just by your power, your power alone, God, will there be dead things come to life. Jesus, I love you. See you in I pray. Amen. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Logan Smith. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Church. We are grateful that you've decided to join us today for our online service. Um, these past several weeks, we have not really been in a series, but in a focus and an emphasis on uh, discipleship and talking about you know discipleship in the home and uh, just all kinds of things. And so last week, Jeff, our lead pastor, he talked about staying connected to the vine. All right, and he gave us two methods of how we do that. One is the big five. That's worship, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, and ministry. And the other is the hope era, which is to have spiritual conversations, open up the scriptures, especially the gospels, pray and listen, eat or engage with people. And then the arrow, which is go as a sent person, uh, into the world. And so when Jeff asked me to preach today, actually asked me quite a while ago, um, but as I was thinking and praying through, you know, what, what did we need to discuss? What, God, did you want me to say? Um, knowing we were in a focus on discipleship, I just felt the Lord leading me to focus on two of the single most essential and yet unfortunately overlooked aspects of discipleship. And those two essential principles are reading the Word, you know, getting in the Word, reading the Bible, and prayer. Okay, so, so I'm preaching today, okay, we're going to talk about reading the Word today. Next week, we're going to be doing Powerhouse, which is going to be awesome, um, and we'll have that for you as well in our online audience, and then the week after that, I'll be preaching again, talking about prayer, okay? But today, we are going to focus on reading Scripture. So let's talk about getting into uh, the Word of God. And so um, I, I think this was a perfect week to get into this. Last week, if you remember, when Jeff gave the definition of a disciple, he said it's in discipleship. It's about getting into the Word and allowing the Word to get into you. Okay, so we, we know that reading God's Word is essential to living the life of a Christ follower and of a disciple of Jesus. And so, but, it, but if you heard me say it, I said that it's also, unfortunately, very often overlooked. Reading God's Word is overlooked. And so some of you at this point may be thinking, overlooked? Like, what do you mean overlooked? I mean, if, if you grew up in the church at all, you have heard your whole life, you've got to read your Bible. Right? I mean, we read it on Sunday mornings. We're told we need to read it throughout the day. We're told we need to read it throughout our week. And so how can this possibly be overlooked? And so while I would agree that, you know, we've grown up hearing in the church that we need to read your Bible, I believe that unfortunately, 
even though we have heard that, biblical illiteracy is one of the greatest plagues in the church of Christ today. I believe biblical illiteracy is one of the single greatest plagues that is rampant in our church today. I believe that we treat Scripture as one of the single most optional activities to include into our daily lives. And when we do read Scripture, instead of opening up opening it up for what it is, is the living, breathing, active Word of God, we instead read it like it is a blog or a magazine article with as much significance to our lives as if we were reading another story like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. And some of you all may be like, hold up now, that's, that's a little harsh. Like, what, what, what basis do I have for saying those things? Well, for one, I too grew up in church and I saw it firsthand. I've been a pastor in the church for seven years and I see it firsthand. But even more so, guys, statistically, this is true. Like, let me give you, let me, let me show you what I mean, okay? So, so every year, there's this research organization called the Barna Group. All right, and they do all these studies just to talk about the state of the church and, you know, Gen Z and how we're reaching the world through discipleship. And so every year it does what is called the State of the Bible, in which they interview thousands of Americans who both go to church, who are faithful churchgoers, and those who are not. Um, it's just to get a feel for how often Americans are reading their Bibles. Okay, So this year, the, the 2021 State of the Bible study showed that only roughly 50% of U.S. adults read their Bibles. And of those 50%, only 34% of U.S. adults read the Bibles once a week or more, and only 16% reads the Bible more than twice a year. The other 50% of U.S. adults reads the Bible less than two times a year or never. And so while those numbers seem low, believe it or not, those are increases from previous years. So, you know, praise God for the increase, but that, that's low. That's a low number of people that are reading their Bibles on a weekly to daily basis, all right? Uh, Lifeway Research, they came to a similar conclusion in their own study. They, they found that among Protestant evangelical churchgoers, only 32% of Protestant evangelical churchgoers read their Bible on a daily basis, 27% read their Bibles more than once a week, and 12% rarely or never open up their Bibles on a weekly basis. 12% of the church never reads their Bible. And it's a 2021 study. But I think that what's, what's more alarming than just the fact that only you know, a third of the church is actually reading their Bible, what's more alarming is the fact that even when we do read, statistically, we're actually seeing that we're reading it wrongly. And what I mean by that, again, in another Lifeway research, this study was from 2009, it found that those who read their Bibles one to three times a week, which for the majority of the church, that's about where we stand. But um, for those who read their Bibles one to three times a week, apart from their weekly church gatherings, they found that they show little to no difference in their lifestyle choices and beliefs than from those who never read their Bible. Another study in 2020, just last year, found that four in five churchgoers believe that Scripture can have multiple meanings depending on the context of the person who is reading it. Not multiple applications, 
but multiple meanings, meaning that the Word of God is subject to our own interpretation rather than what God has said it clearly says. And to further prove that when we do read our Bible, we're not usually reading it correctly, a 2018 Pew Research study found that 6 in 10 professing Christians in America today not only hold to the truths of Scripture, but also accept and follow and adapt other New Age beliefs such as reincarnation, astrology, psychics, and the presence of spiritual energy and physical objects. 6 and 10. Church, we are living in a time of absolute biblical illiteracy, and yet we wonder why our world is the way it is. We are living in a time where we are not nearly enough intentional with our time in God's Word apart from the Sunday gatherings. And statistics show that even when we are intentional, we're not letting God's Word do what it's meant to do. We are reading it haphazardly as if it is just another blog or magazine article rather than the living, breathing, active Word of God. And so that is why I said that while we know we have been taught for years that Scripture is essential to our lives and to being disciples of Jesus Christ, it is one of the most overlooked disciplines of believers. And so now the question is, well, why? Like, why is this true? Why are we not intentional with our time in God's Word? Why aren't we reading it? Why aren't aren't we reading it correctly? And so while I do believe that there's one main reason, one huge reason of why we don't do this, however, I hear a lot of reasons. I hear a lot of reasons. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to unpack four common excuses that I personally tend to hear as a pastor about why we don't read the Bible. Okay, we're going to look at what Scripture itself says about each of these excuses, and then we're going to find if any of these are the reason of why we don't read our Bible, okay? So let's talk about these for a moment. So four reasons for why we just don't spend time in our Bible. Reason number one, it offends me and it makes me uncomfortable. This is one of the common reasons that I hear about why we are not spending time in God's Word. It offends me and it makes me uncomfortable. So two scriptures that I want to read that address this. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. Excuse me. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So y'all, y'all see this? Right, so when I was writing this, I honestly couldn't remember who said this. I just know this isn't original to me, okay? Um, but here's the thing. When we read Scripture, Scripture reads us. Uh, The book of James says that his word is like a mirror. You know, it exposes who we really are. These scriptures say that, um, that we just read that when we read it, it exposes the darkness in our hearts. It exposes not only the things that we do, but even the thoughts and the intentions behind what we do that we may not have even realized were, were our intentions and thoughts. 
It says that we are laid bare before the Lord. And it says in that verse in Hebrews that yes, this can hurt. When it does this, this can absolutely be painful. It's like a double-edged sword piercing through joints and marrow to our very souls. So here's, here's the thing, okay? If Scripture is offending you, if it is making you uncomfortable, then according to Scripture, that is a good thing because that means it's actually doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. The problem is we do not see it that way. The problem is that today, when Scripture offends us by exposing our sin and sinful works and sinful hearts and sinful tendencies and sinful intentions, we then believe that Scripture is either wrong, has been wrongly interpreted, or simply not worth reading. And so then we throw it away and neglect it altogether, or what I believe is worse we try to reinterpret Scripture and twist, twist it to fit what we think is right and what we think is good. Church, I need to say this, and I don't say this to be controversial or to be uh, you know, heavy-handed or to be any of these things. Okay, I, What I'm about to say, I say because I love you. I love you deeply, okay? When Scripture offends us by exposing what is there in our hearts and lives, it is not Scripture's job to bend to our feelings and opinions. It is our job to bend our feelings and opinions to Scripture. No matter our feelings about sexuality, about racism, about politics, about money, about family, about anything, if Scripture exposes a sinful tendency and a sinful intention in our heart, it is not Scripture's job to then bend to our opinion about it. It is our job to bend our opinions toward Scripture. And if it offends you, then praise God because that means it's doing what it's supposed to do. If you love your sin to the point that you don't want it exposed, I need to warn you, those verses that we just read in John 3 says that you are in danger of condemnation and judgment. Guys, don't run from Scripture because it's offensive or because it hurts. Don't do that. Don't try and change Scripture for fear of the light exposing your darkness. Guys, run to the exposure. Desire for it to do what it's meant to do. It is meant to expose these things in our hearts. So that's probably one of the number one reasons that I hear for why we tend to not read our Bible anymore. But is it the reason? Is it the reason? I don't think it is. I don't think it's the reason. Let's look at another one. Reason number two. Well, it's too behind the times. You know, it's, it's too behind the times. It's outdated. It's boring. It doesn't fit our current, you know, cultural climate and culture. And so, therefore, we need to, you know, we need to disregard it or we need to try and twist it in order to match our cultural climate of today. So let's see what the scriptures say about that, because it, it, it says stuff about that, all right? Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
Here's the thing. I do not believe that we who follow Jesus could ever be behind the times when we serve the God who invented time. How does that work? He is eternal. He stays the same. His Word has been around before creation. It's going to be here long after creation is gone. He is outside the boundaries of time. Therefore, His Word is outside the boundaries of time. So while its meaning never changes, remember, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. While His meaning never changes, there's no time period, no culture, and no context in which its truths do not apply. It is timeless. Jeff and I were just having a conversation with an older gentleman just last week at uh, Andy Smith's visitation. Um, this man was talking to us about how Lately, he's just been so invested in God's Word. He's been making that time to be in there. And he said something that I absolutely loved. He said, you know, the more I read it, the more I realize I never read the same Scripture twice. And what he means by that is even if he reads the same Scripture over and over again, though the meaning itself stays the same, its application constantly fits to where he is. He constantly gets these new applications, constantly gets these new ways, this one meaning, these singular truths absolutely fit to where He is. How does Scripture do that? It's because it's eternal. It's because it's outside of time. And as that verse read in Hebrews earlier, that, that, that verse that we read in Hebrews earlier, as it says, it's living and it is active. It is always accomplishing its purposes regardless of when we read it. So that's another reason why we tend to not read Scripture. But again, is it the reason? still don't think so. Let's look at another one. Reason number three, it's too hard to understand. It's too hard to understand. Well, okay, so for a lot of us, this one may actually seem fairly reasonable. Okay, because it is kind of hard to understand. I mean, it's, it may be timeless, but it was written a long time ago. And so, yeah, it uses some hard language and... Let's just be real. Sometimes when we read all the begots and all the land, you know, like the way they give out land and stuff in the book of Numbers and things, like it's, it's hard to read. <laughs> it's hard to understand. And so sometimes we, because it's hard to understand, we're just like, all right, we're just not going to read it. And instead, we'll just wait for pastors to explain it to us. Well, what does the Bible say about this? Luke chapter 24, verse 27 Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, he being Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Guys, in both of both those verses, here's what we see clearly. If you are struggling to understand the Scriptures, all you have to do is go to Jesus. That's all you've got to do. In the, the Luke verse, Jesus, He's been resurrected from the dead, alright? He meets two men who are walking on the road, uh, the Emmaus Road, and uh, he, they're, they're talking to Him about all that's happened and how it's hard for them to understand how He was crucified, and they just don't get it. And Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, begins to explain the Scriptures to them. He begins to open their eyes to understand what the Scriptures 
say. And then that verse in John, you see that the Holy Spirit, He is sent by the Father in the name of Jesus. All three persons of the Trinity are there to do what? To teach you and to bring to remembrance all the things that are said in Scripture. You literally have all three persons of the Trinity there to help you understand the Bible. So listen, if, 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 if you are struggling to understand Scripture, the problem is not that you are not smart enough. The problem is not that Scripture is too difficult. The problem is that we are not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit of God who reads with us. Listen, you never read your Bible alone. You don't. I mean, Jesus Himself said, Matthew chapter 6, when He's talking about prayer, He says, you know, go to your closet, shut the door. And what does He say? Your Father who sees in secret, who is with you in secret, He will reward you. The same principle applies to when you read Scripture. You never read alone. So if you're struggling to understand it, all you've got to do is go to Jesus. He's there. So is this the reason why we don't read our Bibles? Still don't think so. One more. Reason number four. Ooh, I hear this one a lot. I am too busy. I just don't have time. You know, my, my work's, work's been crazy. I've had to take kids to their games and to their appointments. And, you know, my homework's been racking up. And I've been trying to practice at my game, trying to, you know, get, get better at the sport that I'm playing. Um, and I just do not have time. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 and 41. When Jesus went off to pray in the garden before going to the cross, if you can remember, He brings James, John, and Peter further in the garden with Him. And when He goes back to them, expecting them to be awake and praying, here's what happens. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And He said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so I know that this is talking mainly about the disciples praying, but the principle still applies. You can't give him one hour? Are we really that busy? Can I be honest? I don't think God's convinced by that argument. Here's the thing. So um, a Forbes article that came out in June of this year, okay? Um, they posted the results of a study that said in the year 2020, when we were locked down and quarantined, and let's be honest, a lot of us had a lot more time on our hands, not less, we had more time on our hands. They've discovered that individuals spent an average of 1,300 hours in 2020 alone on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat alone in the year 2020 took up an average of 899 hours of that person's year. And do the math, that's 37 straight days of social media in the year 2020. Are we really that busy? The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics found that in the year 2020, at least five hours a day of the average U.S. citizen consisted of leisure and sports activities. Three of those hours were dedicated to television. I love, I love when, I, when I ask a student or somebody, you know, what have you been reading in your scriptures? Ah, oh, man, just haven't had much time to read and stuff. I'm like, okay. Um, 
What'd you think of the new episode of Loki? Oh, it was awesome. Got you. You had an hour for that. Could you not be with me one hour? God is not convinced by this argument, guys. Are we really too busy to be in God's presence? Are we really too busy to be in His Word? Can we not spare an hour? And yet I still don't think that this is the reason. I don't think this is the reason why we are not in His Word. So I know at this point you may be thinking, all right, first of all, this is sounding really legalistic. This just sounds like you're just trying to shame us into reading our Bibles. Let me be clear. I'm not trying to shame you into doing anything. I'm just pointing out things that I have heard. But here's the deal. Behind all four of those explanations and excuses we tend to give for not being in God's Word, I still believe that there's a deeper reason behind each of those as to why we do not spend time in His Word or why when we do read His Word, we just speak through it super quickly like a blog or magazine article instead of investing ourselves into it. And I believe that that reason is found in the very first verse that we read today. John chapter 6, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, him being Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The reason why I believe we do not spend time in God's word as we should is because we have a fundamental misunderstanding of what God's word is meant to do. And what His Word is meant to do is give you life. That's what it's meant to do. Give us life, eternal life, and abundant life. And if we realize that, we would never make an excuse again to not be in His Word. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what God's Word is meant to to do. We don't like Scripture when it offends us and when it goes against what our feelings and opinions, but here's the deal. It's doing that not to hurt you, but to pull you off a path of destruction and into a path of life. When we don't read Scripture because we're too busy, we're, what, we're, what we're missing is that, no, the life that is actually fulfilling is not found in our busyness, but in our Jesus. When we don't read our scriptures because we can't understand it, we forget that scripture is not meant to just make us smarter. It's meant to make us live. When we don't read scripture because it's like behind the times, we forget that it's meant to give us eternal life that transcends time. Do you see this? Scripture gives us life. God gave us his word so that we might believe in him and have Life. This is what John himself says in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The entire purpose of God's Word, the entire purpose is to show us that there is this awesome Creator God who made us in His image. But we as image bearers sinned against this God. We disobeyed Him. And therefore deserving of death and condemnation to hell. But God loved us so much that even while we were sinners, God sent His own Son, Jesus, 
And though Jesus never once sinned, He took all of our sin and claimed them as His own. He died on a cross as the punishment for our sin, dying the death that we deserve for our sin. Why? So that we could be forgiven of our sin. He died, was buried, He rose from the dead so that we too could have life. He reigns forever and one day He is coming back to put all things right which have been made wrong. And when we believe in this truth, when we surrender our lives to this Jesus, we have life. Abundant and eternal life. This is why we have the Scriptures. This is the Gospel. This is the good news. This is why we read. Guys, I don't want you in God's Word not because it's what we're supposed to do, not to make you look good in His eyes, not so that you do your religious duty, but because these are the words of eternal and abundant life, and I don't want you to miss it. So will you get in His Word? Don't overlook it. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, today I just want to invite you to surrender. He died on the cross that you will live. He rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. Would you surrender your life to Jesus? Go to His Word and see the life it gives. And for those of you who have surrendered your life already, be in His Word. If they are the words of eternal life, where else are you going to go? Grace and peace.